guy is drunk, but there he goes. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. And week three was officially a week in the upside down. Nothing went the way we expected. Teams who we expected to go 0-3 suddenly came out of the box. Teams we thought would go on the road and thrash other teams suddenly got beaten in blowouts. And, well, the Jaguars are still rubbish. Maybe that's not unexpected. Body, I really don't understand what's going on. Let's try and figure it all out. This is the Grenade Show. Whenever you're ready, mate. <laughs> uh, I had a bit of an accident. Uh, oh, it, you messed yourself. Well, no, no, no. What happened was that, the, as you know, it's a rather makeshift studio here, and one of the buttons of the faders came off, <laughs> and they, they went spinning back behind me, so I had to quickly run and get it. That's why the music went on a little bit too long. Sorry, guys. That is incredible. <laughs> that is genuinely superb. Uh, you're listening to The Gridiron Show. Will, Gavin at home, Ollie Hunter in the studio. I apologise now if the sound of my washing machine going off in the background is still there. Or the sound of my wife typing. I'm annoying her while she's trying to do her work by sitting here and doing a podcast. But having worked 10 mornings in a row, Ollie, I've got tomorrow off. I'm going to stay up and watch Monday Night Football, do a little report on it for this, and then I'm going to sleep for like 15 hours, and it's going to be incredible. Hang out with my cats. Is that your cats? I'm going to do all of those things. <laughs> those noises are so unnerving. I hate them. What are your I... cats doing? Tell them to get away. I... I... I'm sorry. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. So, so funny. Someone tweeted in last week, um, or, or for the last show, and, and also enjoyed the cat music, the, the cat sounds. Uh, yeah, someone so. else tweeted in and said that it freaks their dog out. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, <laughs> I, because I, we had to redo the intro, I forgot to do my joke about Odell Beckham versus the kicking nets. But we're going to talk about that this week because we were thought, all thought we were going to get Odell Beckham versus Josh Norman part two, and instead we got them doing a bit of Strictly Come Dancing in the end zone, pretty impressive lift. And then we got him beating the crap out of a of a kicking goal, but then getting smashed back in the face. That was my most memorable moment of a absolutely ridiculous week three. The Steelers suffering their worst loss since 1989. Incredible. Absolutely crazy. Uh, the Vikings going on the road to Carolina and inflicting their first loss at home in the last 14. The yeah, Bears still being rubbish. No, wait, that's pretty, that's pretty expected. Yeah. The, they were just, uh, the Jets. Do you remember how really good the Jets' offense were? Yeah. About 10 days ago on Thursday Night Football, and we're like, oh, Fitzpatrick's come back. He's been just as good as last year. Six interceptions and two fumbles. Oh, he was awful. Awful. Because I did have to be in early to work this morning. I've caught up on all the games kind of individually, but I, uh, I had to give up on Red Zone quite early. So to put myself in the mood, I'm sat here watching the second half of the late games on Red Zone whilst doing the podcast. So Kansas City are currently 7 nothing up in the Red Zone, second and goal. Uh, the Colts are currently leading the Chargers. I kind of feel like I feel bad for these people because I know what's going to come and it's not going to be pretty for them. I mean, the amount of games that came down to the last possession or the the last within the two minute drill or the two minute warning at the end of in the fourth quarter at the end of the game 
was incredible once again this year. Once again, I've got a, a, a friend who works here. You know him well, Sal, um, who is an NFL novice, and he he he, he enjoys the spectacle of it, and he's starting to get into it. Uh, he's put on Red Zone for the last two weeks, and he just can't believe the drama and how things are playing out, and how well it it's actually done on on NFL Red Zone by Scott Hansen. It's just it's just no. been incredible. Here is the thing this week with the early games. I said this to you last week when we watched the games at my house is that I thought the early games last week, whilst there was still drama, there was real lack of quality. Mm. Whereas this week, the first the first set of games, actually, the quality was up again and the drama was there. But in the late games again, I kind of I feel the NFL has settled into this weird rut at the moment. We've got one or two teams who are really standing out. But beyond that everyone's a bit rubbish and no one yeah. seems to really know what they are and ev- all, every team has got massive issues beyond the patriots who actually have massive issues but are dealing with them very very well what about the broncos do you think they've got massive issues i don't think they do i think Wait. they've they've found trevor simeon they've we, got an look, excellent we, we appear defense. to be look, hold on hold on whoa 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 we appear to be doing analysis before we do nonsense and that's not the way around this works ollie Okay, in yeah, any way, yeah, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm so sorry, uh, I'm so <laughs> sorry about that. That's, uh, that's a great shout. We've got 15 games to talk about, and all of them had some interest this weekend, so we're going to have to talk about all of them, I'm afraid. So, settle in. You're in for a marathon. Um, but let's quickly just ask, what have you been up to, Ollie? I've been How are you doing? I've been sick. I mean, I was sick for the preview last week. I'm sick for the review this week. I'm, of course, I'm still at work. There's a bug going around, which I unbelievably, you've been here for the last 10, 10 days. You haven't caught. So that's that's insane in itself. I did play football. I spent the whole day watching college football on Saturday and then played soccer football yesterday. Uh, 45 minutes came on. Did you did you actually play football? or yeah, well, You were actually brought on this time. I was brought on at halftime, played right wing, uh, and we won one nil. So well done, yeah. good work, buddy. Yeah, we're pretty happy about that. The Armenian Youth Associ- Association reserves have uh, got their first points on the board. <laughs> I keep forgetting you play for an Armenian football team. That is genuinely <laughs> glorious. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> How are you, buddy? What what you've been shopping? You've just you've just um, made the wife a lovely meal. Yeah, so I mean, I haven't spent a huge amount of time with my wife over the last 10 days because I've been going into work at 5am every morning. Weirdly, I've seen more of your wife than you have. You've probably seen more of my wife than I have, and you've probably seen a lot more of me than my wife has. That sentence kind of made sense, didn't it? So uh, I came home, I made us a lovely dinner, uh, I went and met her from work and we went shopping, but... um, such yeah, a romantic. I, I wish I was a romantic. She's now sat with her headphones in doing her work whilst I sit here and talk to you about American football. So I was actually told we had to wrap it up by 10 because she wants to watch Impractical Jokers. But I'm seriously concerned that we're going to be nowhere near done by 10 at this rate. Oh, we're going to be done. We'll be done. But she can record it. That's the, the whole beauty of, of pausing live telly. Come on. Sarah. The might of TiVo. Yeah. The might of TiVo. Yeah, I um I, the one thing I did have this week I'm intrigued. There's two things I want to ask the listeners this week and tweet us at Gridiron as you always can and at uh, Will Gav at Ollie Hunter. There's actually three things. The first thing is we've got a cheeky early announcement, which we can't quite make yet, but we're going to make. What is it? Okay, I'll let you know later. That's for the end of the pod. Oh, wow, incredible announcement at the end. Do I know it? Um, but I've just forgotten what you're going to say. 
I don't know if you do, actually. I think you know that the idea was floating around, but it's been confirmed and it's Ooh, actually going to be happening. Is that the thing uh, which may mean we might be able to do the other thing? Exactly. Yeah! Bang okay. on. Okay, cool. Um, secondly, it, the inter- it's, it's International Series Week. How have we not mentioned this yet? It's Monday night right now. Friday, the Colts and the Jags fly into town. We're going to go and chat to the players then. And then there's the games on Sunday and people can come down and see us at the Hippodrome afterwards and buy us a drink for all the lovely podcasting we do for them. And, uh, uh, yeah, of course you can come. Sarah's just pointing herself, asking if she can come. Sarah's going to the game now. Managed to get some tickets. Paid for. Not some kind of media blag. Um, so oh, people, yeah, so many people are asking me about media blags. They think yeah. just because we work in the media that we can get tickets, which it really doesn't work that way. No, um, does not. Does not. Um, but we're going to be doing yeah, as yeah. well on uh, Sunday morning at Wembley for an hour from one till two. We're going to be doing a live show on Talksport Two. Me and Ollie and a bunch of guests coming along and chatting about the NFL and building up. And then while we've got live rugby on from two o'clock onwards, we'll be doing updates into the rugby from the game. So that's all very exciting. That's really exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, and listeners should tune in to us on Talksport Two via the app or online at Talksport.com or on their DAB radio. You DAB can, radio. That's you can also do it that way. Yeah, I mean that's the main way that you'd expect people to do it. Surely, uh, it's 2016. People have got the internet everywhere now, mate. Um, so the two things I wanted to ask the audience, as it were, the first one is going to the cinema on your own. So recently I went to the cinema on my own and I went to see Don't Breathe. I think we talked about this on the show, the scary film that you've got no chance that you want to go and see. Oh, my God. I forgot to tell you some amazing stuff. Uh, Wow, okay. To do with going to the cinema on your own. I was was in a movie. Um, I I forgot you were in a movie. I haven't been to see it yet. It's it's at Rain Dance Festival called Servant's Quarters. Uh, I found out whilst watching it, because I didn't know what it was about, that it's an actually a, it's a horror that's really scary. Uh, it's actually pretty good, but I'm in, in it with uh, TalkSport's Adrian Durham. So I rock up on my own. He's, he's engineered so that I get the time off work to go and watch this movie with him. I rock, up on, I rock up on my own, and I have to... Uh, he's there with his family, so I either sit on my own or sit with his family. <laughs> uh, so I ended do? up sit, sat next to his daughter, which was a bit weird in, in, in itself. How, um, how old is his daughter? Uh, she's off to uni today. So, uh, 19, 20? And he, let, and he let you sit next to her? He was sat the other side. Right. I, I'm surprised he wasn't sat in between, that's my point. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good... Sh- he knows you and works with you every day. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, it's, a, good, it's a very good point. <laughs> but, um... I, to say I made the cut is generous. <laughs> to say I didn't make the cut would be wrong. Uh, it's somewhere in between. It's a, you see my face for about half a second, and it's only half my face. So glorious! Uh, I That's can't believe, can't believe I spent ten pounds to go and watch it. That is incredible. Sorry, well, you, Car- supported, you supported your friend who made a film, so exactly. you're a good person. Yes, I am. So um, carry on, d- d- going to the cinema on your own. So anyway, I then came into work, and somebody asked me what I did after work the, the, after work the previous day, and I said, well, I went to the cinema, and they went, oh, what, well, you go and meet your wife? And I said, no, my wife's a teacher, she doesn't finish like five minutes. And they went, okay, so who did you go to the cinema with? And I went, on my own. And they thought it was the weirdest and most mental thing they'd ever heard in their life. They who, thought it was... Who was this? Name and shame. Sam Ellard. Oh, I knew it would be him. I knew it would be that creep. Now he that is only weirdo. He is only 20, which could be the reason. Okay. I'm uh I'm in an utter agreement with you. Going to the cinema on your own is fine. Uh and I'm going 
on your own is sometimes better because you're not worried about the other person. You get to fully immerse yourself in the film. And often, when you go to the cinema on your own, it's during the day and there's not many other people there. Precisely. Other people that are going on their own, you don't hear other people chewing or rustling their sweets or their popcorn. I am planning tomorrow, if I'm up at the right time, to go and watch The Girl with All the Gifts on my own because oh. I don't think Sarah wants to see it because it's a zombie movie. I really want to see it. But but you don't like horror films. No, no, no. But zombie movies are different. It's, okay. the, it's the creepy horror movies like and, and devilly type stuff that really freaks me out i can't you know don't like it but zombie like walking dead and stuff is that's it's just a bit gruesome but it you know you can you can get past the the, the scary aspect good well we should go together then instead of me going on my own uh, and won't rip into me. So tell us, Acridine, do you go to cinema on your own? That was the first one. Okay, the sorry. Sec- yeah, the second one was a genuine editorial about the show because we do this twice a week now and we're still going to be aiming to get really big guests on um, when we can. And that we're talking to teams and I know for the upcoming international series games, obviously our show this weekend will probably come out either Friday night or Saturday morning. And we'll include our training ground interviews with any Colts players, Jags players that we get to talk to. Uh, the, the chap from NFL UK has assured me I'll definitely get time with some people. So that's fine. We'll, we'll have that. But we used to every week get on like, a local beat writer, a, a super fan, something like that. And I think it's great when it's someone like Sam Quick because she was something that was weird and a bit different and a bit off, and she was brilliant. But sorry, did you just call her weird? Not weird, a bit different, <laughs> and a bit off. She's you're an absolute disgrace, and incredible. But I mean, different to what we would not. She's different to a man in his forties from America talking about the team that they go and watch every day. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, good point. So my question really is, is that, do people want, because we, well, we were talking about it today, we're thinking we could get an Eagles beat writer on, call, call one of the guys up that we know, see if they want to come on and talk about Carson Wentz and that incredible defense. Um, and by the way, the fact that I'm getting to watch uh, Red Zone right now means that I am getting to rewatch Darren Sproul's incredible performance. Yeah, do you have an apology for me? I apologize. He's fantastic. <laughs> see, I'm not, I'm not uh, the kind of guy that shirks away from uh, apologising and getting things wrong, Incredible. Uh, sorry, what was that? If if Julian Incredible plays at quarterback against the Bills and takes the Patriots to a win, I will apologise. Fantastic. Done. And right. you should do. He has to take a minimum of... He has to complete a minimum of five throws. Okay, fine. Okay, done. <laughs> He's going to complete like four early on and then... You know that he is going to do... Better. Bill Belichick will be annoyed about Terrell Pryor, and he will do better than Terrell Pryor. Yeah, That's going to happen. One yard and yeah, one catch. And... Yeah, and one rush. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, right, so yeah, do people want us to... Are they happy with just us rambling on the two of us, or do they want us to be getting more experts on, more local knowledge? Because we can do it if you want. I mean, later this week, we're also hoping to speak to Scott Vegeta, because tonight, uh, if, you, if you've recently become a fan of the show in the last, say six months year or so it's been a while since we had scott on actually scott fujita legendary linebacker of the new orleans saints um also very heavily involved his best friend is scott gleason uh people will be aware of gleason the movie if they're not go out and find out about it steve gleason um uh, it's an incredible story and he is an incredible human being and it's well worth going out and finding out about it but scott joins us on the podcast maybe once or twice a year he's a really cool guy we talk about the saints the browns life in general uh, but it's been a while since we've talked to him and tonight on monday night football it's 
almost to the day, I think it's the 25th and today's the 26th, that the 10th anniversary is of the reopening of the Superdome after Katrina. And when they reopened the Superdome after Katrina on the 25th of September 2006, the Falcons came in and the Saints battered them 23-3. And Steve Gleason, who since has gone on to have this debilitating, horrible disease and and this incredible uh, human story because of it, he blocked a kick from legendary kicker Morton Anderson. and Friend of the show. It got returned for a touchdown. Oh, no, was it from the punt? It might, oh, no, it was a block punt. Sorry, I've made that up. The it was punter a, a, was not a friend of the show. No, I'm afraid he not. would be if we had him on, but he's not yeah. at the moment. We will try and find out who the punter was and get his phone number. But he blocked it, and it got returned for a touchdown, and it's like a legendary moment in, uh, in Saints history. So they're, they're both going to be at the game tonight, from what I understand. And I've spoken with Chantal, who's the woman who sorts out the interviews for Scott, and because uh, you go to him directly, he just never answers his phone for some reason. Uh, probably doesn't like me, but <laughs> um, uh, she's like, yeah, we'll get him on later this week, and we'll talk about the game tonight. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, I think that'll be really good and add that to the Colts Jack stuff. So that's all interviews fine, but it's just like, would you rather we just gave our nonsense chat about what we think of the games or do you want to hear from people who are actually there and stuff? Now, I quite like it when we talk to these guys. All right, well, let's just do it then. Why are we even asking other people? It should be down to us really anyway. But we can ask these people, but I quite these people, uh, <laughs> the listeners, but I quite like it because... Your disdain for our listenership is just <laughs> disgraceful. Because uh, Rob Dem- Demovsky, for instance. Oh, he is a great guest. It's yeah. fantastic. Um, on the NFL show, we've had uh, Jeff Legwald, uh, Carl Odegaard. Um, like Jeff Legwald a lot. I don't think I've ever spoken to Carl Odegaard, actually. I don't think you were on the show. You were on the show. Oh, is he the Cardinals the guy? Cardinals yeah, guy. he was really good, You're actually. an absolute disgrace. But <laughs> when we speak to those guys, they do have a bit of insight, but also they're very good at talking, much better than we are. So um, I do quite like it. But Well, let's do it then. Let's to, do more To nail it. them down, it can be quite difficult because it can either... It's, sometimes it's like, uh, can you do right now? And perhaps we can't do right now. So, And it also, I, I tend to think it works better when you and I are both in the studio. And that is a rarity at a regular time at the moment. So, but, but, you know, perhaps we should make a bit more effort. Okay. Right. Should we move on and actually talk about football? We we had a very long meeting again on air. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's start off with right now. Um, uh, I'm going to get up at one in the morning. I'm going to watch Saints Falcons. I'm probably going to get very emotional about the Katrina stuff and have myself a little cry. I've got a real soft spot for the Saints after what happened 10 years ago and and their Mm -hmm. Super Bowl journey beyond that and being a big Drew Brees fan. I always want to see them do well. Um, After that, they're probably going to get battered by the Falcons tonight. Uh, I think I did. In fact, I think I took the Falcons in Gridiron Pickham, which I did terribly on this week again. I don't but that's want to fine. Talk about that. I am not going to be a two-season champion. That much is apparent after week three. But anyway, here is uh, here's my look back on Monday Night Football. So what an absolutely crazy edition of Monday Night Football that was! Absolutely nuts. Um, uh, just a few immediate thoughts about it. Uh, the Atlanta running game, incredible. Devontae Freeman, 152 yards uh, on the ground, another 55 yards through the air and the touchdown. He went over 200 for the night. Tevin Coleman, only 42 on the ground, but three touchdowns from it and another uh, 47 in the air. Mark Ingram still had a night for himself, 77 yards off 15 carries. Uh, the uh, Kobe Fleener turned up. That was nuts. 
Kobe Felina, seven receptions, 109 yards and a touchdown. Felina, 36 yard long. He caught the ball in traffic. He caught the ball for a touchdown. His hands were not made of stone. This might be the breakout performance that Kobe Felina needed. I've not been a Kobe Felina um, believer before now, but I am now. Uh, Mark Ingram gets a receiving touchdown and 30 yards in the air as well, by the way. So he goes over 100 for the night. Michael Thomas, not only does he catch seven for 71, but he gets a touchdown as well. He proves to be that red zone threat we all thought he was going to be and it finishes Atlanta 45 the New Orleans Saints 32 uh, just to mention these are two defences which are not great Desmond Trufon was uh, thrown on all night a player that I've been banging on about as how great he is uh, we did see a couple of Falcon sacks including one to kill off the game from Dwight Freeney in the fourth quarter when uh, they were, uh, the Saints were on third and long and Freeney got to Breeze and then Breeze attempted to run from like fourth and 21 again I told you this was a crazy game. I went into last night in fantasy. I'm in eight leagues. I went in last night only winning in two. I've got quite a few Falcons and Saints players. I have won seven out of eight fantasy games all because of last night. I am in love with this Monday night football. What I actually ended up doing was going through and literally marking off the crazy plays as they happened. So this is a rundown of the entire game. The Saints opened up with a flea flicker. Ridiculous. Touchdown to Kobe Fleener, didn't drop it. Then the muffed punt to Saints of the O. This is a game that it was an incredibly emotionally charged night in New Orleans with the fact that it was the 10th anniversary, almost to the day of the stadium reopening after Katrina. Yeah, we saw the likes of Steve Gleason was there who blocked that punt so famously all that time ago. And then uh, on the night where they're celebrating that, two Saints players contrive to bump to run into each other, muff a punt, and allow Coleman to get in and convert in short yard. They've been mixing him Freeman much better the last two weeks. Really tough run to the outside. Then Coleman gets the short yardage touchdown. Uh, he also gets the one yard on a fourth and one to bring it to seven apiece. Uh, Oh, yes, yeah, so Felina got the touchdown after that. So Freeman, big catch out of the backfield for a 13-yard score. Completely blown coverage. That was to kick off the second quarter. Uh, there was that big roughing the kicker penalty, which roughing the punter penalty, which saved the drive um, and then turned into a touchdown on the slant to Michael Thomas for the Saints for them to go 14-7 up. Freeman broke off a huge run uh, on the next drive. Uh, then Sanu, second and 12, before Coleman gets the goal line carry again. Uh, Saints. Big penalty for the Saints, gives up a big gain at the death. Justin Hardy gets the touchdown with 30 seconds left. And the Saints get a late field goal to end the half. Again, thanks to a big fleeing again. So at this point, this game is already crazy. The uh, Falcons are already leaving 28-17 at this point. Second half kicks off with another common touchdown. Again, after a Freeman big gain, keeps the drive alive. So you can see what happened the whole game. Freeman got open in the field. Freeman was given all the work outside of the goal line and then... Coleman kept vulturing those touchdowns. Uh, John Kuhn gets a touchdown. Kuhn with an Ingram two-point conversion. That brings it back to 35-25. Julio gets his first catch of the night. They turn that into a field goal. That was 38-25. Falcons, I I mentioned it, second and uh, second sack of the season. In fact, they got three sacks on the night, I think. So, uh, no, second sack of the season. So two sacks on the night. It's forced a third and super long. But this is where the Falcons pass rush is a mess. So they're up 35-25. They get this huge sack, which puts a huge third and long I think it's third and 21 and you think right get to him again or work in coverage you can basically kill off this game at this point they force the third and super long then the pass rush goes entirely anemic Ingram manages to catch the ball out of the backfield and gain the first down and at that point I'm like oh this is it the Saints are coming back into it pick 
Dion Jones, the New Orleans native, gets the touchdown, 44-25. Goes to 45-25 with the extra point. Um, and this it wasn't even done at that point. Fleener catches in traffic for a 30-yard gain. Ingram in the flat catches the touchdown pass. That gets it back to 45-32. Mount Ryan ran 15 yards with his leg. It's before they had to punt it away. There was another long gain to Fleener, which negated by that massive sack that I mentioned for Dwight Freeney. And then right at the end, the Atlanta Falcons, Freeman gains two huge runs on the final drive, reversing the field on the first one. Uh, you know, not getting a huge gain in terms of yards, maybe 15, 16, but he covered a good 40 yards of ground. And then a little cutback run, which got them down towards the goal line. They decided to take the knee. The final score, 45-32, utterly crazy stuff uh, the Saints now slip to 0-3 and, and the number of 0-3 teams that have made the playoffs since the playoff was expanded in 2002 is zero we saw the Steelers get very close after they came to London and got that win uh, when they were 0-3 and, and went to 1-3 uh, and they came close that season and had an opportunity but nobody has gone from 0-3 to making the playoffs in the last 14 years I don't think we saw the Saints as a playoff team anyway but that is a bit on the damning side. In terms of the uh, Atlanta Falcons, they move up to 2-1, and one, and their next game sees the Panthers going into the Georgia Dome on Sunday in the six, one of the 6 o'clock kickoffs. The Panthers need a bounce back. The Falcons have just been putting points on people. That suddenly looks like a real cracker on Sunday night. Right, let's go back and get into the rest of the weekend's games. Where's my look back? Do you want to do a look back as well? No, 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 it's fine. You covered it all. Well done. Good stuff. Right, moving on then. <laughs> um, uh, do you want to pick a game to start off with? We, we, what I we did do... Th- sorry, uh, we, Sorry, I did, we, well, all I'm saying is we tweeted out, uh, we tweeted out the front cover of one of the local Philadelphia papers, Wentzylvania. They've gone nuts over there for Carson Wentz. Uh, so we tweeted out a, a, a request for hysteria. And we've had loads of tweets in this week. So you've got the tweets there. I'm hoping that you are going to weave them in expertly as we go along and give us lots of sexy sound drops as well um yeah good start that's exactly what i am gonna do there's only one place to start though go on and uh michael uh, m sport guy one uh hashtagged us at uh hashtag tell tgs the vikings broncos will be the super bowl with the final score two to nothing uh of course uh, i don't think that i don't think that guy is drunk uh the guy is not drunk but of course um he's referencing the safety that turned it all around for the vikings in carolina as they came back from 10 nothing down to beat the carolina panthers 22 to 10 this was an incredible game will gavin yeah, absolutely daniel uh daniel hunter getting daniel. that uh, safety yeah daniel hunter um this this was ridiculous. The Vikings just got to Cam Newton on eight separate times. Um, what I, I kind of for this week decided I just put my kind of thoughts to one side about this. Carl Rudolph catching a touchdown pass first of all, who normally has hands of stone, that was impressive to me in itself. Um, but we're talking about a brilliant defense without superstars against Denver and Carolina. I think Harrison Smith is the kind of guy you talk about as an all pro player, but beyond that, they've just got great players at every level who aren't quite at the top, but they're so well coached. The adjustments they made after halftime were phenomenal. Everson Griffin with his three sacks and his five quarterback hits was brilliant. What's Terrence Newman doing making plays at 39 years old? The Vikings defense is utterly ridiculous. And Sam Bradford, I mean, we So the Tuesday morning touchdown column, which we put out every Tuesday morning, funnily enough, last week I wrote about how I was 
buying into the hype train for one week only, but I needed to see it consistently before I truly got on board with it. I think he operates that offense far better than it operated under Teddy Bridgewater. And I gen- and without a, a real rushing game, um, you know, we had, what, 45 yards for McKinnon, averaging only 2.8 yards a carry. Matt Aziata only managed 2.5 yards carry. That is against one of the best run defenses in the NFL, admittedly. But Sam Bradford did it, and he kept going deep when he needed to. And do you know what? All in all, absolutely phenomenal performance from the vikings they're 3-0 and and if they're not at least in the nfc championship game this season they will be disappointed on my tuesday morning touchdown column i've spoken i've written about the vikings and i'm super impressed with this defense you say there aren't any stars or any standouts i think they're becoming stars and becoming standouts in their cornerbacks trey waynes who was phenomenal again it's like someone told him against Jordy Nelson last week, just turn your head around and then you'll be able to figure out (laughs) what the quarterback is doing. You'll be able to make those plays, yeah. You'll be able to make those plays. And he did it in the second half against Green Bay last week and he carried it on this week. He had an interception of Cam Newton. Uh, Terrence Newman, again, he had a really rough start against Green Bay. He's come back. You add Anthony Barr into that. Captain Munnerlyn, you've got four cornerbacks there who are excellent. You've probably got one of the best safeties in Harrison Smith yeah. one of the best safeties yeah. in, in the league in Harrison Smith add to that Everson Griffin Griffin add to that Linville Joseph add to that Danielle Hunter that is one hell of a defense. I mean Daniel, Daniel Hunter a guy who's kind of turned out of nowhere it feels like uh, this year nobody expected him to be a pass rushing force that he's looked but this is my point Ollie none of those guys are people that we talk about other than Harrison Smith you're not talking about Linville Joseph when you talk about the best uh, interior pass rushers in the NFL I mean in fact weirdly you're talking about the two guys who are on the other side of the ball who didn't get enough pressure on Sam Bradford for the majority of the game yeah. you're yeah. talking about the guys in Denver Derek Wolf. you're talking about Malik Jackson who's now in Jack Jacksonville. You're not necessarily talking about Linville Joseph, but, but he deserves be. to be in that conversation now because of what they're doing. And I think it's down to coaching. I think they met, the adjustments they made at halftime were up there with the sort of things Belichick does. And mm. it's the second week in a row they've done it. And I am super impressed with the Vikings. As, as am I. And uh, they are an NFC North rival to the Green Bay Packers. But when they came over here, I, I totally bought into what they were doing. Really great group of group of guys as well some of their fans uh, this side and uh, their side of the pond have got a lot, le- a lot left to be desired but th- as, a t- <laughs> as a team they're- as do Packers fans mate hey come on hey. We, we, need to, we need to speed this up yeah, because we I, are going to go super I long am, I am really really <laughs> impressed I don't think it's hysterical I don't think it is um, this you will get there eventually yeah. the guy is drunk but there he goes yeah, I don't think it's that to say that they will be minimum the NFC Championship game I, and I totally believe it wow brilliant uh, a couple of other people got in charge saying uh, Scott Campbell is Mike McCarthy's conservative play calling going to cost go pack go the opportunity to go to Dabol I don't think uh, it's necessarily just the conservative play calling overall I mean if we I've jumped ahead to the next game I don't know why well, you've gone that. you've gone 34 uh, Green Bay Packers um, to 27 the Detroit Lions Adam Nichols says as a Packers fan I'm, I'm envious that the Vikings have such a good head coach and we're stuck with McCarthy now this is because the Packers went up 31 to 3 at the half um, and it, it's been said on the latest around the NFL 
um, podcast, which, by the way, Dan Hansis is incredible form. It's so, so funny. Uh, All right, mate. Many I'm, of the jokes, I'm, right, I'm sat right here. Many of the jokes going over there, like the rest of the team's head. He was so funny. Anyway, um, th- they all said... I, why, I take this as a personal attack. I want you to know that. Look, look what you're on about is... That is seven and nine bullshit. Just can't that's be storm, exa- That's exactly what I'm saying. So what... From your side, this is seven and nine bullshit producing. You're making me feel terrible, and I'm going to throw a strop in a minute. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's stay together. Um, listen, the, it, what, they're, what they're on about, and what Adam Nichols is on about on, on Twitter, is why doesn't... And I'm, it, it, I've been... It's a bit like with Arsene Wenger. You, a lot of people turn... Uh, you know, forgive... McCarthy and the rest of the backroom staff some of the some of the problems because of either injuries or the way the organization is run but why on earth Aaron Rodgers didn't put seven touchdowns on the Detroit Lions when they're at their mercy why don't we go for the jugular and right, but allow these teams to come back in it really really I, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to give you an er- edit point but it does something me off right I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say what I feel about this now the Lions without Levy and, and Ziggy Answer, both players who you will not win without, uh, is really shocking. That 69-yard penalty that you got was ludicrous. The, uh, the, 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 the pass interference penalty. Um, but I'm going to say something now, and you better get your finger ready over that button. Because the Green Bay offense is getting there. Jordy getting deeper, which is much better. The play design started to come in. The Richard Rodgers touchdown in particular. They, you know, the way they pulled the lineman, the way that Rodgers uh, traversed across the, the lineup and made that catch. That looks much better offense. But that's the sort of thing that coaches should be doing with their teams. Yeah. The thing I'm going to say that's going to make you press the button, having rewatched the game this morning, Matt Sherry's right. Come on, man. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Look, Aaron Rodgers is, from a physical perspective and from a skill-based perspective, the best quarterback in the NFL. Better than Tom Brady, who is, one, who is the greatest of all time for me. But he has, he has got the greatest arm. But what they do is he makes the most insane throws. And we saw it in week one. He made some throws that I don't think any other quarterback in the NFL can make. But sometimes the player's breaking down because he's almost choosing to break them down to make those throws. When there's just so much more simple stuff on. It's not a timing-based system by any stretch. The reason that the Patriots has worked without Tom Brady is because the offense is so well designed that someone can come in and learn it, even if they don't have the, the, the mental ability and the physical ability of Tom Brady. If any other quarterback in the league played in the Green Bay offense the way it's playing now, you'd be an 0-3 team at this point and you'd be going damn close to being 0-16. And that's what we saw when Aaron Rodgers went out uh, a couple of seasons ago, struggled to make it to the playoffs with Scott, Scott Talzine in there. Um, I, in a way, I agree with you. There was one pass which he threw. I, I had to rewind it. It was 70 yards. It was an incompletion, but it was a 70-yard in-the-air pass from the 30 to the touchdown. His own 30. That's insane that a bloke can throw a ball that far. And he, uh, But the problem is he's, he's doing it off his back foot. He's jumping in the air with two feet. He's twisting around and do, doing these like, back-arm throws. And he was thinking, plant your feet, step into the pocket, make normal throws... And you'd probably be even more successful than you are, and that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, but so I, I think it's a level of frustration rather than a level of of actually 
agreeing with him necessarily. Just a bit of frustration that it could be even better. And I think you're spot on. The coaching isn't good enough. They need to not take their foot off the gas. Um, it's cost us in so many games in, yeah. it, it, when it actually really counts. I mean, every game in the NFL counts. Need I say... Don't, don't say it. Don't say it, man. <laughs> I don't, I, look, I've, it took me a long time to get over that. I don't need you to, to bring it up again. I'm just fly, Hawks fly. That's all I'm oh, going to say. Oh, come on! Why'd you do this to me? <laughs> what is this I cannot believe that we have talked about two games already and we haven't talked about either of the rookie quarterbacks who are playing utterly ridiculously at the moment. And we're going to start off with Carson Wentz because we both took the Steelers in this game and we both took the Steelers because we said we thought they'd have just, too, just a little too much for the Eagles. But I also said last week that I felt both of these teams were a mirage. The Eagles were a mirage because they played bad teams so far. So far, the Steelers were a mirage because the only time they did play a good team, it was in the sloppy, messy, horrible weather. It, you couldn't really tell. Oh, my God, the Eagles were good on Sunday night. 34-3 to win. Went to an over 300 yards, three touchdowns. And it's, it's not stunning that the Eagles won, is my point. We both thought the Eagles could win. It's stunning that they won by that sort of margin. Wentz might be the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen through three games. He's unbelievable. I mean, he's the, he's the first rookie quarterback to ever throw over 100 passes without throwing an interception. And, and what he's doing that amazes me is that Doug Peterson is trusting him to run the offense after just three games. They're coming out in these kind of empty set formations, no extra pass protection, no running back, and they're allowing him to make the adjustments at the line. They're allowing him to shift the offensive linemen. They're allowing him to check into run plays when he needs to. You know, they, uh, they just absolutely did a Steelers team who loved to show the widest range of blitz schemes possible. It's carried over from the Dick LeBeau scheme where the reason rookies aren't successful in the Pittsburgh scheme is because it's so complex and they have so many different looks and so many different blitz fronts. And for a rookie quarterback to go out against that offense and not throw any inceptions and put 34 points on them and mm. given their worst loss since 1989... I mean, maybe I'm getting a little bit hysterical, but Carson Wentz is the real effing deal. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Sorry, I mean, I had to play it because you said hysterical. May have hit I two buttons at the same time. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I, th- I think you're kind of right. The Steelers do have games like this, right? Remember that loss to the Ravens last year when uh, uh, when they when they basically knocked themselves out of the playoffs, but then the Jets managed to then knock themselves out of the playoffs by losing to the Bills. You know, a Ryan Mallett-led Ravens managed to beat them with three games left of the season. That was pretty ridiculous. And, okay, that's I'm saying what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't overreact to this as a Steelers loss. They're still a playoff team. But that Eagles defense has let up nine points per game Jim Schwartz is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL and they are so quick he simplified the scheme he's made it easy for these guys to play and actually do you know what's a real shame for them that they traded away Kiko Alonso I know the trade for Kiko Alonso allowed them to move up the first time which then allowed them to move up again for Carson Wentz but he's looking really good in the Dolphins defense right now and he's exactly the sort of player with his sideline sideline speed who would be phenomenal in a Jim Schwartz defense I, I just the Eagles they're going to win the NFC East this year and I think they might win it at a canter do you know what the guy is drunk but there um, he goes adam foxcroft says is mr wentz the best carson ever topping palmer city <laughs> uh, frank willie and of course scott 
Uh, <laughs> I, I was a big Scott Carson fan, maybe mainly because of the big gap in his teeth. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, but the problem is I've never been to Carson City. Me, neither I yet. Um, who's the famous American comedian Carson? That you've named him there, but uh, incredibly Frank. famous. Um, I, do you know what? I'm going. He's 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 on course to be the best Carson ever. Well, better than Carson Palmer. I mean. Not on this weekend's showing. But you know I love Carson Palmer. Yeah, I know. But, but better than Carson Palmer. Um, Tony Big T asks, Doug Peterson looks like an actor from a load of comedy movies. What's his name? Oh, Rob Riggle. That's easy. That's it? It's Rob Riggle? Yeah, that's great. Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, saves me live Googling there. <laughs> um, yeah, they, the, the Eagles look great. Um, do you not think the Giants might run them close? All the uh, All Washington? Well, let's talk about that Washington-New York game because um, uh, I said we were going to talk about both the rookie quarterbacks, but I don't care. We can jump around. We can do what we want. It's our show. It's not our show. Please keep listening. I and really need what that drop jump around. Um, that would be a good <laughs> drop, wouldn't it? Um, obviously, Washington go and they get their first win of the season, and they do it in. Uh, they're doing it against a New York team who could have gone three and zero, but New York should have won this game. There should have been no doubt in it whatsoever. They had um, penalties galore. I think they had 11 penalties for over 120 yards. Mm. They turned the ball over, picks and fumbles. They they should have won this no problem. Uh, apparently, Kirk Cousin has no idea how time works. <laughs> Did you see? Yeah. Well, remember the knee that he took last year when he meant yeah. to, like, when he thought, like, a knee stopped the clock instead of spiking the ball. That play he ran with six seconds left instead of taking a field goal and then having his ball, the ball forced out in a fumble was truly dreadful. It's Bortles-esque from last season, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Cousins has not been good this year, but Do you know, know, what? he managed that, to win. He managed to win. That, that completion to Deshaun Jackson just proved to me that his struggles in the red zone this year is because he is taking he's he's just striking from too close to the to the goal line yeah. take all of your touchdown throws from like 40 yards out and you're fine it's the moment you get inside the 20 yard line you start panicking the defense comes up just 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 lob it downfield if you get inside the 20 give away silly penalties get your guys to jump offside on purpose that way you can get back to a place where you feel more comfortable kirk and you can throw those touchdowns um the reason i don't think the giants will run them close is because the defense is running really hot and cold from what mm. I saw yesterday. I still think the front's really good. I still think the run defense look good, even though Matt Jones got the two touchdowns. I think they were both receiving touchdowns, if I'm right. Um, but their run defense, they're setting the edge really well. Olivier Vernon looks really good. But the secondary went through periods yesterday where it was really, really hot and looked really, really good and then just disappeared from the game. However, the, oh, but then the Giants' offense looks brilliant, doesn't it? I mean, it, Matt Jones didn't score a touchdown uh, yesterday, by the way. Who, d- who did get the touchdowns? The, for... Deshaun Jackson and Jameson Crowder that got uh, the two, only two touchdowns. Who am I? There's a, there's a running back who got two receiving touchdowns this week, and in my head it was Matt Jones. I think I, the only reason I know this is because I'm playing somebody in fantasy who had this ridiculous running back. So there we go. I've made it up that it's him. Um, but we'll yeah. find it out. I mean, I, I, know, I know what you mean, yeah. The Giants receivers, though, Ster- we've said it every week so far, but Sterling Shepard looks great. Victor Cruz looks great. Odo Beckham's without a touchdown in like six straight games now. He's not scored a touchdown yet this season, but it, it didn't matter yesterday. He got 130 plus yards. 120 yards. There we go. Uh, he torched Josh Norman on a couple of occasions. Uh, 
the only yeah he won that battle outright the, the strictly come dancing weirdness in the end zone was a bit bizarre and but, did you see him uh have a go at the kicking net and then the net had its own revenge yes i did it was genius it. Somebody sent me a thing earlier, which was him having a Mortal Kombat fight with the music and everything, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the NFC East, I think the problem is for the Giants is these teams will take wins off each other, like what happened with Washington yesterday, like that very tight game with the Cowboys, which admittedly uh, they managed to win, but the fact that it stayed so tight was a concern. Um, but actually, do you know what? The NFC East overall, it always has a potential to be in the division of disgrace. At this point, I'm already saying the NFC East is out of the division of disgrace running. Great shout. And I, I'm totally on board with it. I shouldn't be, but I am. I am. While we're doing the whole NFC East, let's just talk about the Cowboys last night. Beat the Bears 31-17. Looked easy. The Bears' defense is way too injured. I still think they've got a good, like, young, talented nucleus. And I think they will come... I think those, all those injured players, Lamar Houston, all these guys who are out, will come back. And I think that what you'll see is the Bears end up having, like, a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight type season. But all of those wins coming towards the back end, and they'll carry some momentum into next year. But how much better the Cowboys' offense were this year was ridiculous. Uh, Zeke ran well. The interior of the line, which had been poor last week, looked much, much better. Um, and, and do you know what was interesting with the way that it, 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 the way that Dak played in this game, Dak Prescott? Your mate, Dak. What, my, my buddy Dak. What I was saying about Carson Wentz before, like the way he'd come out in those open schemes and be allowed to read the defense and, and make those decisions, they did the same with Dak Prescott. He came out in the, the kind of empty backfield sets. He didn't do it as often and he doesn't do it as well as Carson Wentz from what I've seen. You know, he took a couple of sacks, took a couple of hits in those situations. But the fact that they're trusting him to do that when I assume if and when Tony Romo comes back, he'll be the starter again, mm. that's still impressive. And for a guy they picked up much later in the draft, you know, Fair play to the Cowboys. They're not a team I like to praise too often, but I'll give them some love today. Rob Kramer, Kramer says, the Cowboys are building a dynasty to match the mid-90s. All hail Dak and Zeke. Now... Uh, the guy is drunk. The guy is drunk, there but there he goes! Now, um, they've, they've become far more a running team. Is that because Dak Prescott is a rookie? I know he got his first touchdown reception, or touchdown pass as, as a QB. Uh, he also ran one in as well. Almost half the amount of passing attempts to rushing attempts, yes, on, on Sunday. Is that an issue, do you think? Or is it just we're going to run over teams, especially ones like the Bears? And The, 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 best, off- the best offenses always have some balance. And uh, they can only have a certain amount of sex. sex. Success is what I was trying to say along the ground. Wow. Um, they can only have a certain amount of success along the ground. But that line, when it is playing like an all-pro level line, which it has done previously, I just didn't think it did it last week. But I think it was back to that sort of form this week. It means they can run the ball like that. They will open up holes for Zeke. And he's improving week week by week. He's still not looking like a guy who you would take uh, like right at the top of the draft. But he's... I think it's difficult because we rate running backs differently coming out of the draft. We kind of expect them to, no pun intended, hit the ground running because it's not a position where 
you learn a lot of difference with the NFL. They've got a, the zone blocking scheme that they run takes a little bit of extra learning. But generally with a running back, you're just a certain style of running back. If you're LaShawn McCoy, you're a guy that bounces to the outside and you're a really good one-cut back. If you're Adrian Peterson, you're a guy who, yes, you've got the breakaway speed, but you can also pound up the middle. You, you've got a certain style to yourself and the team has to almost fit around you. Whereas every other position, corner, wide receiver, quarterback, they have to learn so much about the difference in plays, the difference in routes at the NFL level. Like, it's so much more to take in that we expect running backs to be good from moment one. But like we've seen with Melvin Gordon this year, running backs can take their time and still prove to be a good first-round pick. And I'm not saying Zeke Elliott doesn't look a good first-round pick. I just think he's far from his best at the moment. There's another team that's 3-0, and and that's the Broncos. Scott Campbell, early question for the pod. Is the Denver D the only thing stopping the Super Bowl appearance from the Patriots? Hashtag parity. Now, the, D, the Denver defense was good against the Bengals, but the offense is starting to hum now as well. I think what was amazing about this one, and I, I'm feeling a little bit sick about the amount of praise I'm giving to rookie quarterbacks right now, is what we talked about in the first few weeks is how uh, Trevor Simeon was um, reasonably conservative, poised in the pocket, but threw it short, relied on that outside zone running scheme that, that Kubiak runs and runs so well. But what was great yesterday is that Simeon opened up and started to throw intermediate, started to throw deep and got more aggressive. And you know what? In the first half, it did not work at all. <laughs> he looks okay. he he looks dreadful. He was throwing the ball away. It was generally genuinely it was good he was doing that because it has to make a defense honest. But what Kubiak said to him at halftime or what adjustments they made, I don't know. But he throws four touchdowns, two massive third down touchdowns, which go over forty yards, come on third and not short situations in the second half. He, he looked really, really good. And that's now three rookie quarterbacks I've praised. And for a man who doesn't like He's a rookie not a quarterback... Rookie, but that's fair uh, enough. You, okay, a first-time first starter, even. I'm starting to feel a little bit sick. I mean, understood. Understood. Guess which um, uh, NFL, UK NFL personality tweeted me uh, to say, Trevor Simeon, changing your mind yet? Definitely Richard Graves. Definitely. You are right, Richard Graves. <laughs> I've, I've, yes, I am changing my mind to a point. I think there was, there was a, a definite, I don't know. Uh, there was a lot more to love after this. There was weekend. a lot more to love, and I think there was a, a definite thing from Kubiak and that Denver offense to say, look, we can throw the ball as well as run the ball. Uh, and it, they made a point of of making sure that two receivers went over 100 yards, Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Emmanuel Sanders, who had barely looked like a wide receiver in the first two games anyway. Are you worried about the Bengals? Or was it because the offense of the Broncos did so well when the Bengals tried to force it, they just came up against that very good at Denver defense? Look, the, Bengal, the wheels have not come off the Bengals bandwagon yet. The Will Gavin one-man Bengals bandwagon will still roll on. But maybe oh, I mate, need to... Well, d- maybe well I- done for saying that. There's Men- a lot of alliteration in there. And <laughs> you didn't stumble. I'm really impressed. Thanks, buddy. It's almost like I do it for a job. I, but I might have to stop off at a service station and tighten up the wheels a little bit. 
Um, they, they offensively is the concern. They need Tyler Eifert back. He makes such a huge difference to what they do. The, the lack of receiving options, I thought, wouldn't be such an issue. And Gio Bernard would have a big role. And I thought that I thought that they would compensate for it. But Brandon LaFell hasn't filled in uh, in any way like either of the guys that they've lost. Tyler Boyd has been a non-factor so far. You know, w- rookie wide receivers. I nearly said Wookies. <laughs> Wookie wide receivers um, <laughs> are, are what they are for most of them. Unless. You get the occasional ones who are brilliant, but most of them take a while to, to adapt to the NFL. So Tyler Eifert, they desperately need back. And they've had a hugely tough schedule so far. Um, they will, they, through the last, I think if over the next two games, um, they need to, I think there's three games coming up next. And if they win two out of three of them, you could then imagine them going from being three and three to being, 10 and 6 no mm. problem if you look at the rest of their schedule you know it's it's that kind of they're very difficult and very loaded early in the season um but uh, so i'm not quite there yet but for the last two weeks what we've seen is the denver defense almost shift gear in and around the third or fourth quarter when they've looked like they've been good so far but not great and then they've just gone bored of this now we're going to take the ball off you and they do it late on and the denver defense the, that was the original question wasn't it I think if anyone's going to beat what the Patriots are doing right now, it's going to have to take, like, a, a, like last year, like what we saw with the Denver defense, or a ridiculously good offense, who just a single unit who are playing otherworldly. Otherwise, the Patriots already look like, like our, AFC's champions, our AFC champions. Just quickly on the, on the Bengals and on Eifert, uh, beat writer Jeff Hobson uh, says that it's a game-time decision that Tyler Eifert will be available for week four, and that is, of course, Thursday against the Dolphins. So I think in itself that's good news because if it's a game-time decision, that shows how close he is. Um, and I almost think keep him out against the Dolphins, play, save him for the week after, because let's be honest, we all watched that Dolphins game, and even though they eventually got the win, they only got the win because a kicker who the Browns picked up on Saturday afternoon managed to miss three field goals. Otherwise, they would have lost this game. And I'm sorry to Browns fans everywhere, if they'd lost at home to the Browns team as they are this year, having stripped out all that talent, gone young, gone for draft picks, that would have been so embarrassing. We all said we all said you and i both said in various guises i think me on uh, facebook chat you on twitter that cody parkey was going to miss that field goal you just knew it after the earlier misses I just didn't believe it, that they were going to the win pressure i just it just i i think i tweeted this has been the most browns thing ever to not win this game i said it would be story. really brownsy if they lost if if he missed this and just he did to get the takeaway when they did and to not capitalize on it Ugh, just just uh just uh stunning. we let's give a little bit of love to jhi london born got the 11 yard touchdown run he's been a complete non-factor so far this season but it's nice to see him get a winning score and hopefully that'll help his confidence no end uh nick but, boyd do you know what? ryan Tannehill, just a very quick mention ryan Tannehill, 319 yards three touchdowns Two picks was the most Tannehill performance I've ever seen this weekend. Uh, the first touchdown, the beautiful lofted ball into mm. the backhand right into the end zone, was a stunning throw. And then to throw a couple of dreadful interceptions, he is. Uh, 
he is a guy who I, I think it's harsh on him because he's had so much change of coaching. He's never had any real protection. But if he doesn't show in the next year and a half, if by the end of next season, he's not playing like a franchise quarterback, I think Miami should start to be looking at drafting somebody else. I'm in utter agreement with you. Utter agreement. I mean, the, one of the touchdowns was only because Jarvis Landry remembered that he was Jarvis Landry and uh, beat a couple of tackles and made a load of yards after the catch. Um, Nick Boyd on Twitter says, Terrell Pryor is a legitimate triple threat weapon in the NFL. Hashtag hysteria lane. Hashtag the guy throwback. Is drunk, but there he um, goes. In the first half, <laughs> Terrell Pryor had caught a pass, caught a load of passes. He had some oh, rushing yards. Bro, just caught the ball on the 50. He's to the 20, to the 15, cuts to the right, cuts back to the left, and touchdown. That's, that, that, um, those cuts were so good that it made not only the defenders miss, but also Doriel Green Beckham fall over. <laughs> <laughs> there were two guys blocking in front of him. I think Green Beckham and Jordan Matthews, and neither of them knew what he was doing. Neither like, knew what both he was of doing. Missed blocks because they because the cuts were so good. And uh, Green Beckham fell over. <laughs> no one was what? near him. It just falls. Um, but, but do you know what? Wentz steps up in the pocket, step onto it, comes straight at him, and he just does a little cheeky sidestep round him, and then. Oh, that was beautiful. That was a glorious thing to see. Beautiful. That oh. was beautiful. Terrell Pryor. So. He had passing yards, he had rushing yards, he had receiving yards, and then he lined up at safety as well. This guy, I mean... It, do you, do you know you what made me laugh him? today? Do you know what made me laugh today? Tell me now. I was typing my notes up while I was, uh, while I was on the, the, in, the, in the taxi on the way to work, and I wrote, Browns, how do you not win this game? Three missed field goals, Terrell Pryor making throws. Those are the three notes I made, except Terrell Pryor, I've only just noticed, autocorrected to terrible Pryor. You're a disgrace. <laughs> he was fantastic. I'm going to say something rather hysterical. The guy is drunk, but uh, there he goes. He could be a fantasy darling for the the foreseeable future. If he's the only thing about the Browns that, that actually look good. And actually, that's not true. The, I like Isaiah Crowell. Uh, Isaiah Crowell looked great. Duke Johnson. Not a, good, not, a, not a good game yesterday against that Browns run defense compared with the last couple of weeks, but... They're going to run. The if you look at the off. look at the box score, he ran hard five and a half, uh, five point three yards per carry, seventy nine or fifteen. Duke Johnson had sixty nine yards off ten carries. The the Browns and uh, Mark Sessa said it on on the the pod that not, must not be ne- mentioned. He said that this is a team that is fighting rather than rolling over. So Browns fans, it's not all bad news. Sorry, bear with me one moment. No, won't you be fine? My wife is umming and ahhing over whether to make Angel Delight because she's concerned it'll make noise. But oh, I've said, is that butterscotch? Fine. No, I think it'll be strawberry. It's got to be it? butterscotch. Butterscotch is the best Angel Delight flavour. You are so wrong. Oh, come on. Really? You're, you're like someone who likes the chocolate fo- French fancy best, aren't you? I, what's you're a French a fancy? Is it French fancy? What are they called? The, uh, the little cakes. Fondant fancies. You know, the little ones that have got the little dome of icing on the top and then there's a yellow one and a pink one and a brown one. Nope. Nope. Good. Right. I I think I know what you mean. I don't like any of those. Glad we shared that conversation with the world. Um, We haven't talked about one of the most shocking and ridiculous performances of the day. Why can't the Arizona Cardinals travel east? It's weird, isn't it? Uh, Why uh, They need to sign a long snapper quickly. That guy is a mess. Bad snaps, turnovers... Terrible throws. Apparently, Greg Roman was the problem. 
<laughs> who would have not, who would have thought it really i mean i i kind of kid but actually i watched the bills highlights back earlier and what i caught immediately was how much better their run game this week was because they kind of simplified things anthony lynn's come in that come in i was re- I, I then went out and googled about it uh, the offense was saying there's about half the number of play calls this week compared with previous weeks. It's kind of Greg Roman's a guy who runs really complicated run concepts. Mm. And I think they never really got hold of it. I don't not sure that uh, the offense there is really designed to, to, to hold that information. And so actually it might have helped them quite a bit. But, well, and um, we saw it in with Detroit last year, a really complex uh, offense Jim Bob Cooter comes in and simplifies it for, every, for everybody concerned. And uh, they went to the second half of the season looking really good. And actually against Green Bay, they looked very good in, in that second half. Okay, Green Bay took the fit of the pedal. Back to Carolina, sorry. What's it, back to Carolina? What? Oh, Arizona. <laughs> um, look, I still believe in Arizona. The one I, thing I will I don't say this week, when you say that though. The, the one thing I will say about this week was that um, whilst I thoroughly enjoyed the football, uh, teams that I have uh, affinity with or like or have a soft spot for all seemed to lose in horrible situations. Uh, we'll talk about the London Bound team shortly. Um, but yeah, I, Arizona, it was a weird game, a really weird game. And I think they'll dust themselves off. I think, again, like I've said about a couple of other teams, they're too well coached for that to be a long-term concern. But they're not the force they were last year, and they may well have missed their Super Bowl window. There's a lot of problems on um, on offense, most particularly the, the passing game. Uh, Carson Palmer had four interceptions. It just didn't look, there was something not quite right. It's a bit Green Bay-esque. Something's not quite right with the timing. And when you've got players like the Brown brothers, they're not brothers, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Michael Floyd, Larry Fitzgerald, you'd expect it to look more... Synergetic is not a word, but, you know, something of that ilk. David Johnson looked pretty good on the ground rushing, but, yeah, something's not quite right with that passing offence. I can't figure out this uh, Chiefs-Jets game because I'm watching it back now. <laughs> it's six, right? six interceptions. Six interceptions. And from what I've seen of these interceptions so far, and I'll admit this is the first time I'm really watching this one in depth, it's not like, because Kansas City have not gone up big at any point yet. They're currently 17-3 up. I know they then, uh, they then go 24-3 up. But when you look at their final offensive box score stats, yeah, all right, I'm not going to do the chop because I'm in my house at, 10.30 at night or whatever it is. Um, but you look at their... <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, peer pressure there. Oh, it's really quiet. It's like a lullaby. That was like lulling someone to sleep with the tomahawk job. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, we, should, we could do a choral version. Re-record our voices like thousands of times. It'll be yeah. great fun. Me, you, a recording studio, a bottle of wine. It's going to get sexy. It's definitely got to be a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at the stats from yesterday. Uh, Alex Smith threw for, uh, for a ridiculous completion rate. Obviously, they were all short throws because it's Alex Smith. But you had Spencer Ware going for nearly four yards a carry. You had Travis Kelsey closing in on 100 yards. And yet, they only scored 24 points off eight turnovers. That's pretty ridiculous in itself. And what it meant was the Jets weren't really chasing the game at any point. So how is he throwing so many picks? Like... 
when you normally see those kind of six pick games, what you t- like four uh, six is very rare, but four plus pick games, what you tend to find is it's similar to what happened with Carson Palmer yesterday. The first couple are very much on the quarterback, but beyond that, quite often the later ones, we've seen quite a lot of this with Bortles interceptions like last year, some of Lux interceptions in his career, is where they are going deep throwing it up a team are playing with seven in cover and they pick the ball off late on a hail mary and somehow that adds to the inceptions and you know those kind of garbage time interceptions almost this was not that he's just making bad decisions bad throws this was he's regressed from being one of the best quarterbacks in the league last week to one of the worst this week he was under 50 percent for completion rate Ugh. It's weird. Why didn't they bring in Gino? Gino must be really bad if they're not bringing in. <laughs> if they're not bringing I didn't even in. think about that. I did I, not even think about it. I mean, that's weird in itself. This whole game was weird. Spencer Ware didn't look particularly great. Rushed for under four yards per carry. Sharkandrick West didn't do anything on his three carries. It it was weird. It it was like the we'll just leave it how it is. Well, let's just for leave both, it how it is then. For both teams. <laughs> That's what it was like. I think if Jamal Charles is fit for next week, he probably comes in for this Kansas City Chiefs team. And had Spencer Ware done anything against the Jets, anything more than he actually did, we wouldn't be seeing Jamal Charles next week. But I think we will. It, it, right. it was a weird game. Um, I want to move on, but I just want to give a little bit of love to the Chiefs' defense because even though we're blaming it yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. hugely on the quality of the throws, Marcus Peters, don't throw him. Just as a as a route reader, a route reader, as somebody who reads the routes, he's incredible. <laughs> he he just seems to know how to jump them at all times. Like brilliant. But Derek Johnson in particular deserves some love. Loved his pick. Loved his tip for the other pick for the red zone pick. Brilliant at reading the offense. Seems to read every play before it happens and make the jumps. And oh, I just I loved him yesterday. Loved him. Casey should have hammered them. They should have put 40, yeah. 50 points on them. But otherwise, loved it. Right, there's still four more games to talk about. We'll talk about the London games less. So let's just talk NFC West for now. And <sighs> Los Angeles hadn't scored a touchdown before, uh, before yesterday. They scored one pretty bang early on against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And... Almost never looked back. I know it got tight late on, but where, 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 where is this Rams team come from? Yeah, this isn't the Jeff Fisher team that we know and don't particularly love from the first two weeks. <laughs> it's weird. Again, uh, this was a strange game almost for the opposite reasons of the, the one we were just talking about was as well. It's Todd Gurley managed to get his first touchdowns of the year but still didn't look that great Benny Cunningham is looking the better running back at the moment in Los Angeles oh he only had a couple of runs though a couple he? of runs but, uh, but for long yardage far longer than anything Todd Gurley's uh put out so far this season uh Kenny Brick got on the touch on on the scoreboard to Tavon Austin looked pretty good it, it's just again a very strange game and the Bucks where I told you we're living in the upside down this week. Yeah, I, don't I really hope that know. scary monster doesn't turn up. Yeah, it's a bit like my head; it's upside do, down. Do you watch Stranger Things, or am I just? Oh, dude, sense to you? I've seen um, I've seen the first two episodes, and it scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, <laughs> I thought you'd watched it. So these references are making I, well. No I sense. know, I know there is a monster, and I know that it. I know there is one. So that that wasn't a that wasn't a like a, a spoiler alert. 
Fine. Good. Uh, Thanks, mate. There, there are a couple of things. Jameis Winston, again, looked incredibly up and down. Uh, threw 405 yards and a touchdown. Um, 405 threw, yards? Yeah. He, huh. threw an inter- he threw an interception that set up one of Gurley's two one-yard touchdown runs. Uh, stripped by Robert Quinn when he held onto the ball for so, so long. Robert Quinn looked brilliant yesterday. Yeah, um, and trimmed down. He's looking mobile. He looks fantastic. Um, Westbrook, uh, Westbrooks was he was one of the guys that did should have got cut on hard knocks and didn't, didn't he? Well, well done, Westbrooks. You've managed to score yourself a touchdown thanks to Robert Quinn. Uh, the rain delay, everything, the, the lightning delay, everything else, just properly bizarre. <laughs> it's um, just weird, man. And and right at the end, the Jameis Winston terrible clock management as well. I just, what was he doing when he 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 like had. Two timeouts, two timeouts, got a 15-yard pickup, and instead of burning one of the timeouts then knowing that you're going to throw the ball beyond this anyway and so you're going to probably be stopping the clock or making plays, they burnt 15 to 20 seconds getting back to the line and that ended up costing them in the end in a tight game. So I, it just was weird. Again, another weird game. Um, do do the you four- know what this whole week's been a bit like? It's just, it's just been, like, weird. I thought there was going to be some kind of sound drop coming then or something. There's no sound drop. It's just been weird. Uh, We don't have to talk about this game in too much depth. Guess what? I love that. Um, The Seattle Seahawks beat the San Francisco 49ers 37-18, and 15 of those 49ers points came in the fourth quarter during well and true junk time. Uh, But Carlos Hyde got them, so thanks for the fancy points. Um, Seattle, uh, the, the talking points on this, Jimmy Graham... Have it a day. The resurrection well of Jimmy Graham. Let's not call it the resurrection until he does it against an actual viable NFL team. The um, resurrection <laughs> of... No, wait, you're right. They're not a viable NFL team. Apologies to all and sundry, and you, most importantly. Um, but the concern is Russell Wilson isn't being confirmed for next weekend yet. He uh, he suffered an MCL sprain. We don't know how severe it's going to be, but that could be really bad news for for Seahawks fans because, uh, yeah, that uh, he having looked better this week, having looked fitter after the week before and more mobile in the pocket, um, spraining your knee is not what you want. And they've got to go to the Jets this week who, yes, okay, they've just had that terrible game on offense. And if if Russell Wilson's not ready to go, Boykin came in and looked okay. But that Jets defense and that front could really go at a guy who is not feeling up to 100% or is basically a rookie. Well, Trayvon Bo- Boykin did look great. He got his first NFL t- touchdown to Doug Baldwin. Baldwin looks incredible. Do you see that catch from Baldwin as well? Yeah. Whoa. Let's let's calm down. Look, man. Streakiest player in the NFL. He's not been streaky over the last 11 games. Yeah, no, but he has been because the last two games he has been completely non-factor. That uh, makes he just hasn't had a touchdown. Player. No, no, he's no, but he's been a non-factor. <laughs> look, I... They scored, they scored 15 points in two games. He's been a non-factor. I, I, I don't think you can be a non-factor just because you don't score a touchdown. Yeah, but he's been a non-factor. That's like saying Ezekiel Elliott was a non-factor because he didn't score a touchdown against Dallas. Against Chicago, sorry. Well, he didn't score a touchdown against Dallas. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, against Chicago. That's why I corrected myself. <laughs> um, I just don't want to talk about this game anymore. Um, so let's talk London teams. London International is coming this week. We're going to be getting to see both of these teams live and in action. And I'm getting seriously concerned about Blake Bortles at this point. 
Um, yeah. Uh, he was threw. That? <laughs> I was me it's breathing, breathing, sighing into the microphone. Justin Tucker, by the way, Justin Tucker got the winning field goal with 50, uh, 54 yards, one hundred two remaining. Um, uh, to give them the 1917 win over the Jaguars. Ravens had had the uh, the losses up until this uh, ra- sorry Ravens haven't had any losses up until this point. They've gone to 3 and 0. They might be the worst 3 and 0 team in the league, maybe in the history of time because they're not playing like a 3 and 0 team. But but he was absolute money Justin Tucker and his reaction afterwards was hilarious. He's one of I I think he's second all time in the NFL for completion percentages. I mean, uh, it's not completion, but you know what I mean. Percentage of getting the of, of making his kicks to Dan Bailey. So he's he is his middle name. He's changed it by Depot to Clutch. I mean, you don't. He's not going to miss that. Right. This is what this is what I'm really concerned about. The Jags in the fourth quarter forced three consecutive turnovers from the Ravens. They got three points from those. Mm. Blake Bortles threw two fourth-quarter interceptions, which ended drives in Baltimore Territory. And Jason Myers had a 52-yard field goal blocked. Just one of those chances doesn't turn into an interception, a turnover, whatever. Then you are looking at a victory for the Jags. They have to come and win in London, else we might get the London coach curse coming back. Again can't disagree with you if Pagano loses do you think they get a curse uh, the curse strikes on him no the win this week over the Chargers was big for them 26-22 and uh, again not a team that looked good first of all the Chargers right, Mante Teo going down yeah. he's um, he's uh, basically snapped his uh, Achilles and is out for the season so that's three key starters for them going down in three weeks with season ending injuries they just can't get it right at the moment it's absolutely devastating um andrew luck he struggled early on Mm -hmm. really struggled lost a fumble in the in the first half which was turned into a touchdown but what i still like about luck is he picks himself up he dusts himself off he tells the team they're going to go out and win it and there's a reason that between him and russell wilson the their numbers on game-winning fourth-quarter and overtime drives are so high. Like, between them, they've got... I think they've got 14 each now for... uh, It's 14 or 15 each in their young careers, the most in the NFL in that time. And they're both going to come out at a point where they're probably going to have the most of all time. And I know I said last week, don't get yourself in a hole and you won't have to get game-winning drives. But it kind of makes you think that the Colts, even though I didn't think they looked good yesterday, it still makes you kind of think... They're going to stay in games. They're going to hang in there and they're still going to be in contention come the end of the year because the AFC South might be the division of disgrace again. Ooh, do you know what? It, I mean, this week it has been a division of disgrace, hasn't it? I, I, I tell you why I feel so strongly about that. It's just because we were so excited about it this year. We were so looking forward to them doing well. We all thought that they were turning around and you know, okay, the Texans ran into a juggernaut in the Patriots, and maybe they do look like the team we saw in the first two weeks, but nobody else looks good. The Titans, we haven't even talked about this game. I actually forgot to open the tab on it. The Raiders' defense turned up out of nowhere, having been terrible for the first two weeks, and absolutely shut Marcus Mariota down, and they lose 17-10 to the Raiders. The Titans aren't doing anything to excite us. The Jags have lost three games in a row. The Colts were lucky, I think, to beat the Chargers yesterday and not be 0-3 th- uh, and, and have two, lo- two teams with 
com- without a win all season coming into London. Oh, just it's it's depressing. I'm sad. Yeah. Well, you've depressed me. Thanks, mate. <laughs> that was my ta- that was my end. That was my target. And you've and it's worked. Um, before we wrap up, I've got some. I want to go through some news with you, and I would like I'll do it, but you give your initial thoughts quickly because we're running very long on these bits of news go quickly des undergoes mri on injured knee team waiting on test results if he is down for any significant length of time that is a problem but actually right now without romo they're running an offense which i don't necessarily think needs des Yep, Beasley and Terence Williams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does go out, what that turns other defences into, because they might not need to be so honest, and they can stack the box more. But right now, I think if he's going to get injured, now's the time to do it if it's something minor. Shane Vereen needs tricep surgery. Season in jeopardy. Gutted after what happened to... After he had a great day yesterday. Um, but he's a fumble machine. And um, I, I don't want to talk about this story anymore. I've decided. Hugh... Hugh Jackson, Browns aren't taking uh, and aren't tanking to get first pick because <laughs> that's the only way they could have lost that game yesterday. Is that what he's suggesting? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely love that. But Christian McCaffrey in a Browns jersey, yes, please. Uh, Jets claim Safarian Jenkins after cut from Bucks. That's interesting. When they lost losing Jason Morrow and they the one thing they have lacked has been any kind of well, yeah. choosing to cut Jason Morrow is any kind of threat from the tight end. That could be a really interesting pickup if Todd Bowles has proved that with Brandon Marshall uh, so far, he's yet to have any issues. He cut uh, AKM and Pampala really quickly, didn't he, when he had problems. Todd Bowles could be the right coach to turn Austin Sfair and Jenkins round. That's a, that's a really interesting pickup. I like that a lot. Uh, Jared Cook left um, Lambeau Field yesterday with a with a, a, a walking boot on and on crutches, and I was hoping uh, that perhaps the Packers would claim Safarian Jenkins. It was never going to happen, obviously. Uh, Russell Wilson sprains MCL in win over the 49ers. Rules could miss a month. Um, I think Christian Michael, we he didn't mention incredible. this, but looked incredible yesterday. Yeah. Maybe that's against the 49ers, but he looked really good. Any other thoughts, Will Gavin? Uh, the only other thing I want to mention mm. is that this isn't an official announcement yet because oh, we've yeah. not because we've not done the posters and the ticket website and everything else. But we're going to be doing an after party for the third and final international series game. Woo! Am I invited? Of course you're invited, Ollie. Yes. You need to be there. Uh, now, <laughs> again, the reason this isn't an official announcement, I just want people to make sure that they know that they don't want to make plans yet because we're going to make some announcements. We're going to have some very special guests there. We're going to obviously be showing the games. We're going to be ha- doing some on-stage stuff. We're going to have some ticket giveaways. We're going to have some competition prizes on the night itself, uh, jerseys, hats, etc. So, you know, all of this is going to come to fruition. Mm. I just want to let people know, we're doing an after party for the third international series game on the 30th of October. Make sure to keep yourself free. Keep yourself free. Will and I will both be there. You can meet one or maybe even both of us. We're trying to sell tickets, mate, not make people not come. Okay. We will be there. You can only see us if you want to see us. (laughs) Uh, 
and maybe I should just stop talking. <laughs> I think that would probably be for the best. Uh, look, mate, we have got very long, and understandably so. It was an exciting week of football. Coming up later, it is International Series Week. Let's be excited about that. It is International Series Week. The Colts and the Jags are coming to town on Friday. Okay, they've not played well so far this season, but it will be an entertaining game. It will be an offensive game. It will be lots of points in it. We're going to be doing our show on TalkSport beforehand. We'll still be doing our show later this week, and we'll have some interviews and stuff. There's loads of stuff to get excited about with this. And, Ollie, it's been a while since I've done this. I'm so excited! Me too! Brilliant. Uh, any final thoughts, Ollie Hudson? No. In which case, this has been The Grid trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March.